we're going to talk in a little while about the glory of his church but I think it's a good idea to acknowledge that it's his glory that we worship not actually the churches that the church is here for the glory of God and so it's great to actually lift up God's name in praise and glory come on let's just give him a clap offering before we start mighty God we give you thanks and praise this morning in mighty name of Jesus well you guys can be seated we're going to play a, another video today speaking about the culture of C3 and our, and our church but before we do that what I want to do is remind us all because I think it's very easy to become parochial about our church and I just want to remind us that these videos have been actually made and produced to introduce people to the C3 movement and to reaffirm to people who we are as C3 but I want to acknowledge right here that there are plenty of other churches out there doing great things for God and changing, changing people's lives for the better. We're not trying to paint ourselves as the only good church movement or even as the best church movement, but we are celebrating who we are as C3 and the distinctives of our C3 culture. And so these videos are made to help us all understand who we are as C3. And even though they sound uh, self-serving in a lot of ways, it's not that it's dismissing uh, other churches, other denominations, other movements, but it's helping us actually recognise, grab hold of and understand who we are. So let's watch this morning's video. I think if, if leaders have consistency, resilience, and perseverance in their soul and loyalty, I think it gets in your people. And I think it gets in your team. One of the problems when a church grows is that, uh, is that the, the brand new people have to wait that there's not so many opportunities. Yeah, that's right. So to keep planning new churches is, is imperative for the growth of believers in their own personal life. So they don't just become a, a pew sitter on a Sunday, they're actually engaged. My name's Sam. I'm Jess. And we're from C3 Toronto. Right, our story has started from growing up in church that wasn't like C3, and then finding C3, loving it, attending, then various leadership positions, challenges, and stuff along the way, and then now in a senior minister role, is you kind of get a bit of a 360 degree view of what's going on. Every one of those times in every season we went through, it tempers preaching and it tempers leadership and it puts empathy in what you're doing because you were there, what you're calling people to or from, you, you, you were there in, in, the, in those stories. I love that people believed in me, this country boy, was not C3 culture when I first landed in 2003 to now being at, having the privilege of leading one of the churches in the movement 
and that there must be people in our congregation that are the same, that one day they'll be leading churches in the movement, one day they'll be worship leaders, one day they'll be connect leaders, but today they just got saved, or today they just walked in, or I'm shaking their hand for the first time, and just to remember that, that there's a journey of belief and encouragement and empowerment that people invested in me, so obviously we have to pass that on. When I started going to church, kind of re-figuring it all out at about 14, I, um, I definitely didn't have the dream or desire to become a church planner or to be a senior minister or anything in those days. So I think having gone through this journey of um, just being an attender, not wanting to do much, to being a connect leader, to serving on team and kind of going through this journey and now being a lead pastor, I think it's changed my opinion because the people that I could write off in a crowd could be me not wanting to have anything to do with ministry kind of, you know, 15 years ago. So I think I probably would believe in people more now and believe that they could eventually, um, they could eventually step into their calling with God that they might be denying now. So when I joined in C3, I never, C3 or any other churches I went to, I never saw myself uh, joining in any, being the leadership team or take part in, uh, in the service. It surprised me when uh, Pastor Mike asked me, okay, uh, after a few months in church, he's asked, asked us to um, lead connect. And then he's asked me to do offering. In a way, it has helped me a lot. It has built my confidence. It has uh, actually opened up my eyes to, to really see and, and believe and acknowledge that there is a God, a God of impossibility. A key difference between being on a team and leading teams and leading the church, I think, would have at its core ownership. And I think uh, as leaders, we're trying to always inspire people to take ownership for the vision, for the house, for their, their um, you know, the things that they, the roles that they occupy. But I think when you don't have that sense of ownership, you can bring the critique and um, use words like the church and, um, you know, the pastors. And when you start to understand that the church is us, it is our community, it is our family, it is our beautiful pastors, it is our team, it's our brothers and sisters, you can't bring the kind of critique or you can't bring that criticism or you can't harbour offence when it's your people, when it's, yeah. when it's your family, when it's your business, when, yeah. when it's your house. And I think that sense of ownership um, and the love that pours out of that, I think that would has been for me my own journey of loving and pouring out and wanting to serve and wanting to build and wanting to invest and um, wanting to deal with offence and wanting to deal with um, challenges as they come up and work through relationship issues and see the positive and stay faith-filled. All of that comes with um, as you step into leadership and it's exciting and more challenging but it grows us and that's how we mature. My name is Sophia Aduma Sapon.
and I go to Hope City, Accra. C3 has encouraged us to be who we are, you know, with no hang-ups. Um, for me, the sense of joy that I feel is just being part of the activities that go on. For me, the sense of joy that I've felt, um, especially in this location, is the fact that I actually helped build it, you know, from scratch. We had a dream and we were just, we had the vision to do something in three weeks and we managed to do that. And for me, it changed my whole outlook on what I do as work. It has been the most joyous experience for me. And to sit here every day and to see how many people walk in and to see the impact that it makes on everybody's life, I don't think that anything can top that in terms of um, what I feel or what I felt. The joy that I felt being um, in this space. Everywhere else, I probably would not have been given the opportunity to um, be a part of building God's church. Well, for us, you know, we, we, would, we need leaders, right? We, we want to be uh, following, uh, which makes it safer for us to be leading. And I, I think that the, the obvious thing for us is we trust the Holy Spirit at work in all of our leaders, the presence of Jesus, the, um, we can see that all the time. The, the, sometimes I think that we look for perfection in a movement, which is a crazy idea. We never look for perfection anyplace else. And, <clears throat> and I just, I, we drop those expectations and we look for realness. So I'd rather be in a movement where people were real uh, not always right. For me, it was the strength of each leader. They weren't all the same. They and they. Um, Very good. That's right. You know, their their relationships were all unique, and their yeah. strengths were all unique, and yet they functioned just and they still function so well as a team. The uniqueness and the authenticity of that. I, just let me add to that just because to see Pastor Phil, this personality type, and Pastor Simon, like. They're so different, and yet look at them in the same room, relating, honoring, loving, ministering. So uh, that was incredibly inspiring for us. I think C3 is thriving for a number of reasons. Our leaders are genuine God seekers and empowerers of people. So I, I love that Pastor Phil is a prayer, and he's led that and that that depth of culture of prayer runs right around the world. So I think that's kept us in great stead. Uh, and I think he's been a tremendous empower of people. Uh, he's always letting responsibility go and not trying to hold on to it. So there's a real security there that empowers people. So I think that has helped us to thrive and just a reliance on the Holy Spirit. We have fun, there's so many things I reckon that make us thrive. I think a deep commitment to win the lost is part of um, the, the movement, not just growing old and being irrelevant. We're here to reach generation after generation. I think that uh, C3 is full of life and people come into a C3 church, they feel this is alive. This is, there's something here that I want in my life and I just feel a sense of peace, a sense of love, a sense of joy and friendliness and that is in the people. and ones come in and they, they want that, they embrace that. And so that's why there's this increase of people coming in because there's such an embracing church. 
If you know anything about a traditional Orthodox church setting, it's not one that you would expect to go to and have fun. And that was what I was used to. Yes, we would have a laugh here and about, but that's usually at the at the insistence or at the initiative of the preacher. So coming to Hope City Accra was an entirely different atmosphere for me, entirely different, you know, environment. But I have come to really love the fun uh, um, atmosphere and environment that we have. And I, I believe it's having a fun atmosphere is really important because when people come into church, it, it makes, it eases things up for them, especially in Ghana where the church is, it's not to say God is not to be revered, he is absolutely, but we almost create the church environment to kind of be one that I come in with some sense of fear and anxiety, uh, almost eager not to do something wrong, say something wrong, touch something wrong. So absolutely, I think a fun atmosphere, it eases things up, it creates an environment where people can really go down, be vulnerable, build relationships, and you know, just see Jesus start to change them some way somehow. Kia ora, my name is Steve. And I'm Dawn. And we're the senior pastors at C3 Howick and also the regional overseers for C3 in the Pacific. Uh, I think that fun is a culture that has been set from the top and I think Pastor Chris in particular has been incredible in making sure that we never become people who take ourselves too seriously. I think that's one of the keys to making it long term in ministry is not taking yourself too seriously and uh, C3 has just been incredible in that way. I think fun is something that we need to keep as a priority. We need to be serious about fun. Uh, I would like to think that going into the future and whatever C3 becomes, we maintain that sense of fun and mischief. We are at Callum and Ailey Young and we go to C3 Edinburgh. You have to have fun in church and I think C3 is an excellent example of that. In that last week we had a treasure hunt around the city for the new students. We've got our connect groups and it's nice to hang out and meet people from around. I think a church without joy is, yeah. I don't know if it's, there's, there's no real soul there. It feels like we're on the, the like kind of edge of, of something even bigger. It's like almost... It's going to explode. Yeah. Yeah, C3 is such a fun movement and I love that Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris embody fun, especially Pastor Chris. Um, and we, we've decided to do fun, I guess, in our way. We're not humorous on stage, perhaps, but we love having fun with our friends and family around the dinner table and around food. And so from the beginning, we, um, we really made sure that we spent money on food and spent money on spending time with people yeah. um, and incorporating them into our life and doing life together. And that's kind of our, our representation, I guess, of fun. I love the way we do church at C3. I didn't. I wasn't always in C3, and it's just the most attractive church movement in the world. Like the way we believe, the way we um, outwork our beliefs in the Bible, the way we worship, the way we move in the Spirit, the miracles that are happening, and the family and the camaraderie and the relationships, everything, just the way we do it. I just love it. Yeah. yeah. We, um, we've had a, a couple of friends that have joined the C3 movement that had planned at a church outside of um, C3 to start with. 
And I remember explaining to them in the beginning how thankful we were for the family of C3. And I remember the look on their face that they were so confused by it because they didn't even have this framework for what that could look like. They, they, they didn't even believe that that existed from the church experiences that they'd had. And so we brought them along to conferences and we brought them along when we'd have guest speakers in town. And when they turned to us, I think probably about a year ago, and it was like they finally got it. They looked at us and they were, they said, we understand now, yeah. we get what you mean by family. Yeah. And it's such a hard thing to explain, but to experience it. Um, yeah, they said we're home. We're home, yeah. yeah. And it is, it's this real, authentic, um, faith-filled community. It's not just authenticity for authenticity's sake. It has faith attached to it and belief attached to it. And I don't know, it it's just amazing. does, it feels like home. notice something strange about some of the fun scenes in that video? The church in Ghana. Do you see them dancing outside the front of the church? You see one guy had a tie iron. <laughs> he was holding a, a tie iron. I'm thinking church is the only place I'd feel safe with somebody dancing around with a tie iron in their hand. Otherwise I'd suspect that a riot was about to start. So yeah, the not sure, I'm not encouraging that here. Um, but it, it's, it's great to see the variations and the, the differences in accents. Um, I'd love to go to C3 Edinburgh. It sounds like a... It, I probably couldn't even understand what was going on, but it would be fun. Um, but the, 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 the theme that I think that binds everything together in that video is this whole idea that we have a purpose. And I know that Pastor Phil starts the video by talking about the qualities of, of good leadership and there's this whole leadership theme throughout the video. But I, wanna, I just want to replace that word leadership for a moment with the word purpose. Um, and the reason I want to do this is because so often when I talk to people about their giftings and about their God-given ability and how I see them doing so much for God, I think part of the reason is if the senior minister comes up to you and says he sees you're doing great things for God, you automatically assume that he wants you in church leadership. And I will admit that that could well be possible. Um, I tend to see the, an enormous potential in, in just about everybody uh, that I speak to. But in reality, a lot of people automatically assume that I'm talking about church leadership and their response is almost invariably, ah, oh, no, I couldn't be a leader. Or, no, I don't want the responsibility. Or, or, or something which tries to take them out of the picture of actually doing what God has called them to do. It might not be leadership in the sense that you or even that I think it, think it is. But 
really, when I talk to people, what I believe I see in people is God, God's divine purpose for their life. It may not involve church leadership. Often it does, but it's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I, I don't... Well, no, that's not true. I do have an agenda that I want people to get involved in church leadership. But it's, it doesn't override, I believe, what God shows me about people's potential for their actual purpose here on earth. Because we don't want to disqualify ourselves from our God-given purpose because we're fearful that we're going to be asked to do something we don't want to do. We all have a purpose in Christ. And... You know, uh, Sam and Jess talked about the fact that they didn't have aspirations to become senior ministers when they joined the church. And I can fairly safely say that not only did Vicky and I not have aspirations, but it was actually at the very bottom of our list. And we had discussed many times how we were never, ever, ever going to become ministers of a church. Be careful what you say. God has a sense of humour. And so... We, we have this purpose, and 2 Timothy, in chapter 1 and verse 9, actually says, God, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And so before the world and even time began, God purposed that in Christ we would be saved from eternal hell. He also determined that in his son, we would fulfill his, that is God's, great purpose. Now, sometimes we think we believe in God so that he can fulfill our great purpose, um, which is actually getting things the wrong way around. When we respond to God's sacred calling, we enter into divine purpose. Our calling is discovered in Christ. And when we live only in ourselves, we can discover our gifts and our talents, but we won't ever discover the divine purpose for them. Every day there's a divine purpose for us to carry out. Every week, every month, every year. And we look at these things and sometimes we, we skip the daily things. We may even skip the weekly things because we think, oh, well, I've got next week. And we skip the monthly things because, you know, we've got next month. But who knows that the years pass really quickly. And as Vicky said, we're only 35, but we feel so much older. <laughs> because it's, it's over 23 years ago that we took on the pastoring role in this church. Sometimes it feels like yesterday, and sometimes it feels like we've never done anything else. But if we don't take advantage of the destiny God has for us, it can slip by us. I mean, what a tragedy to get to the end of our lives and not fulfill what we were born for. And yet when we give ourselves over to Christ to live in him and nothing else, the meaning of our life takes shape. There is no greater call on our lives than to do what God designed us for. We see examples of it in the Bible. Jonah, who remembers Jonah, he tried to run from what the Lord had told him to do and found himself in all kinds of trouble. Paul, on the other hand, also found himself in all kinds of trouble, but it was part of the cost of following Jesus. And at the end of his days, he was able to say, I have run my race, I have finished my course. Jesus was able to cry out from the cross, it is finished, because they both knew they had done all that they'd been born for. 
What an amazing conclusion to your life, knowing that God's sacred calling has been fulfilled. Few of us will have such world-shaking designs on our lives as did Jesus and Paul, but no matter how insignificant we may feel our influence is, all God is asking is that we give ourselves to what he has called us to do, and we will discover the same level of reward. Whether we're called to business, sports, the entertainment industry, politics, family life, as mothers and fathers, or anything else at all, all of our life is a calling from God for us to fulfill giving our best. Who's heard of Charles and John Wesley? They did fairly great things. Who's heard of Susanna Wesley? It was their mother. Little did she know when she devoted herself to a life of raising her children, all 19 of them. I mean, that's not motherhood, that's a full-time career. <laughs> Little did she realise that two of her boys, John and Charles, would change the then-known world and begin a revival that influenced the entire planet for centuries. Each of us has been given a calling from the Lord to fulfil. Would you say that Susanna's calling was inferior? Because no, if she hadn't fulfilled her calling, then John and Charles would never have started the Methodist movement. They would never have started what was then a spirit-filled revival that affected the whole planet. Because it's not about our glory, it's about God's glory. Who knows what fulfilling our purpose will achieve, if not in our generation, but the next. As we live in Christ, in prayer, in the word and in church, we will daily discover amazing parts of the plan that God has for us in bringing Jesus to this world. The great thing about all this is we don't do it alone. Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, So now you Gentiles, and that's us, Gentiles, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. And through him, you, we, us, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And who knows, it's a really important thing for us to feel like we fit in somewhere. Our need to belong is not insignificant. Who knows, I've seen it. People do all sorts of things to gain acceptance. And I believe that God actually placed this longing for acceptance within us because we were also always meant to fit with a certain group, with our family, with our church community, with our workplace team. And so the lo local church becomes a network of relationships that works like a team to achieve God's grand designs for this world. In Christ we find our fit. Sounds like a good slogan for a gym, doesn't it? A Christian gym. In Christ we find our fit. Come and work out every morning, starting in prayer, followed by push-ups, sit-ups, lat lateral pull-downs, crunches you could do all sorts of things I wonder what spiritual crunches are like but when we find our fit we find our usefulness to God and we find our usefulness to others and we find ourselves helping 
the church to grow. In fact, when we fit together, we function like the place where God lives and moves. We become a living house of worship, a temple, a place where people and God become connected. Because that's what a temple's for. It's a sacred place where people meet with God. And this is the great purpose of the church, that we all fit and work together in harmony to bring the people around us into Christ. If we locate ourselves in Christ, we become the church where God himself dwells on earth. Isn't that what the church is for? Our unity becomes so important in providing that dwelling place for God. Unity is the place of the power of God. Disunity divides and weakens us. That's why we've got to remove criticism from our language. Backbiting and fault-finding are so easy to do. We love them because it, it springs to our, our lips, our tongue. It's easy to pick on people because people are so easily pick uponable. <laughs> and I can remember before I was a Christian, people would buy me drinks to pick on people because I, I, was, I was so good at it. And I could pick on people and make them laugh at how I was picking on them. Um, in fact, I thought it was comedy until I came to know Jesus and recognised that in making fun of people, even in making them laugh, I was actually tearing people down. I was actually dishonouring people's integrity. And so I've had to learn not to dishonour people and to be funny in some other way. And it can't be as good because people don't buy me drinks anymore, but um, <laughs> that's fine. Division stops the church from being the dwelling place of God. We do not want that. We've got to realise that we're built together as families, as churches, as dinner parties, as work teams, to, so that Christ himself can be present in everything we do. Living in Christ shapes our language so that we're builders of the church, not destroyers. Encouragers, not discouragers. Being in Christ means we centre our life around him. We live to please him and not ourselves. Yeah, Vicky and I answered those questions about Valentine's Day earlier. You know, who's the first to admit they're wrong? And uh, neither of us were willing to admit <laughs> A, that we were wrong, or B, that we'd be first to admit that we were wrong. And we've actually had to, to work at the fact, because we're both, in a sense, selfish people. We have a, a, a great sense of, of self-worth if you like. And we've had to temper that to actually recognise that we've got to see ourselves as God sees us. No more, but no less. And to actually serve as, as ministers in a church, to serve as pastors of a church, the, the greatest thing, and I believe God sometimes does things to teach people what they need to know, is to actually recognise that as leaders we have to be servants that we have to put our own good under the good of the people that we serve. And I think especially in the first few years of ministry, that was probably one of the, the hardest things that we had to do because we were very independent, self-assured, in some ways anyway, not in all ways, um, people who had a, a different vision of leadership than I believe God had for us. And so... We learn in everything we do. The consequences of doing that is that when the whole church is in Christ, it grows. 
It means people are added, they discover their place, they discover their calling when they're centred in Jesus. This is the only way to be a part of Christ's body. If we're not in Christ, we're not in his church. Only people in Christ are members of his church. Therefore, the church is in Christ. This entire building, if you like, which is composed of people, becomes a sacred group, a separated people in whom God dwells. As his temple, it becomes that place where people and God become connected. In Christ, we discover what unique abilities we've been gifted with and what is our purpose in his church. We find we fit and join with other believers to do the work of the ministry as a team. When we find our sweet spot serving in church life, the entire building keeps growing. I think there are, there are two sayings or two things that Vicky and I believe that help our church grow. And, uh, and hopefully it helps people because I know that you know, when Vicky and I talk about people being involved, our heart is that every single person should be, vol- should be involved in the church, volunteering in, in some capacity. Now we know this doesn't happen. We, say, we know that some, as soon as I say that, some people cringe and say, well, you know, he must hate me because I'm not volunteering or I'm not involved enough or whatever. That, that's not the case. We, we, we have two, two things that we adhere to. The first is that leadership is taken, not given. People take leadership. I can give you a position in the church, but only you can take leadership. And so I look for people who are taking that. I recently had a conversation with someone in the church who, who wanted to do a course in leadership to become a leader. And I, I cautioned them because courses don't teach you leadership. They can teach you the skills of leadership if you are already working towards leading something. But you cannot do a course to become a leader. The other thing that we tell people and that we believe firmly is that people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And therefore, people with skills and gifts come into our church and sometimes they expect to be put into ministry because of those gifts. And often a little put out when we say, well, we ask people to sit, to soak, to get hold of the culture before we give people ministry tasks to do. Because when we minister to people, the most important thing when I get up on stage is, is not how good my Bible knowledge is, it's about how I am applying that knowledge to helping the people I'm preaching to because I care for those people. Now, it obviously helps if I practice preaching and get relatively good at it and don't tell the same jokes year in, year out and other skills that we can develop. But these are the things that, that we believe are important for people to recognise because it helps us not be, just become an organisation with rules, but it helps us become a family with relationships that are important. And so that's why we do that. The key to our success as a church is for each one of us to find our purpose. Then we share our purpose and then we grow our purpose. So before we finish today, I want to dwell for a moment on the idea of us finding our divine purpose. As I stated earlier, we find it in Christ. But first of all, we have to find him. 
Our purpose is only unlocked when we make a decision to follow him as our Lord and Saviour. And so before we close today, I want to give people an opportunity to do that right now. It says in Romans in chapter 10 and verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want you to think about that. It's a simple mindset and a simple action with eternal consequences. But the great thing is we can do that whenever we like. Right now is a good time. If you need to do that, you want to do that, you, you can see that that's the next step that you need to take in your relationship with God. If you're watching online, just press the raised hand button in the chat and a member of our team will speak to you privately and tell you how to take the next step. If you're here today in person and you wish to take the first step in acknowledging Jesus Christ as your saviour, then please come and speak to either Vicky or myself after the service. We all have a God-given destiny, but we have to take that first step. Sometimes we have skills and abilities that we believe that God can use. But until we have that relationship with his son Jesus, we'll never know for sure. I encourage you, if you haven't, take that step. You won't regret it. Thanks, Carmen.